morning show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. It's Brent Gunning joining me this morning in Ailish, and uh, Justin's away in Costa Rica, as we all know now. How's it going, Gunner? Doing well, doing well. Unlike most times I'm on the show, it was not uh, because of a panic-induced text. <laughs> you yeah, were I, I scheduled. Say, I was about to say a panic-induced text from Daniele, but we know he's never flustered. Yeah. So, so he's yes. like, good morning, Brent. I would like to cordially invite you to the show exa- in about actually, one minute. It's amazing how close to, <laughs> to exact that is. Yeah. It's like somebody has now, it's 7.02, yep. and our 7 o'clock guest hasn't shown up. <laughs> Whereas Gunner, he's always listening, he's always grinding. We appreciate you joining us in the next four days. There we go. It's going to be a good one. We've got opening week. We got Raptors. We got Leafs. It's just this is this is the prime time of experiencing sports with the Masters on the oh, on the so cusp. Close. This so is close. it. This is the prime. Like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Justin when we had the first weekend of March Madness. We sat on our couch for a few hours and thought we're getting into the good stuff here, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you consume it the same way because you got a kid and yeah, you got yeah. a life, but. Feels like, it feels like we're in the good stuff here. Please, I consume probably more sports because <laughs> yeah. I have a kid. Guess what? He's just cruising around and I'm just watching sports. So You're it's like, uh, hey, just, just careful. Yeah, a lot. Daddy's of, watching. A lot of careful. A lot of careful, yeah. <laughs> no, it's good times. Uh, but last night, no Toronto sports. No. You got to just tiptoe it your was way actually, in there. Uh, let me tell you, as a guy getting the rhythms of his body back ready for morning show, <laughs> yeah. I was working till 5 o'clock, you know, really mm. burning the midnight oil. I know that's a, a totally normal time for people are like, oh, you work till 5 o'clock. Crazy. Good for you. Congrats. What time did your workday start? Oh, one o'clock? Yeah. yeah, what a tough day you had. But it was very nice for me to just be able to shut it down as early as I mm. possibly could. So thank you to all the schedule makers. I nice. normally complain when there's no Toronto sports. I like to have a little action. I like to have right. a little juice going on. And uh, we'll do Wake and Rave later. So there's always action. Oh, yes. There's always juice. <laughs> but yes, uh, thank you to the schedule gods for, for allowing me to get my body right for today's show. It was a good way to kind of kick off this week where we've got... Uh, Raptors and then Leafs and then of course a full day of baseball talk and setting up opening day on Thursday and then a busy weekend ahead so it was nice I got to watch the first episode of Succession yes yes I got, got up there I we're we don't, kicking it off here, we don't folks. need to do this here but I cannot explain to you I saw you in a video last week yeah. wearing a Waystar Royco mm-hmm. hat baller by yep. the way great piece of merch and I thought Yes, finally, because my wife has not seen it yet. All my friends who watched it. it, No, no, no. She hasn't seen the premiere. Oh, I see. And I'm just like, I have been wandering the streets. I've been, I had to go to Reddit to find (laughs) succession discussion. So I was so excited to talk to you about it before the show today. Yes. It's, uh, yes, tiptoeing episode one, folks. We're getting there. I don't know how many are in season six. I think nine or ten. Okay. There we go. Yeah, we can't do six. No, goodness gracious. But it does not disappoint. I'm happy to be in the discussion that we'll talk off air for those of people that have not caught up yet but it's prime viewing time um and i guess uh we've got like so much happening in terms of our guests we got ty dunn who's joining us today todd frazier who's former MLB third baseman we've got eric smith who's calling his 1000th raptors game um regular season game today uh but we've got kyle lowry in town and that always gets us thinking they did that just for eric you know they're I like, think they let's, might have. Let's have a little serendipity yeah, here. Maybe one day they're like, actually, uh, <clears throat> you're sounding sick. Yes. We just, gotta, just don't don't work tonight because <laughs> we can have Kyle Lowry rolling into town. Uh, but we got some Lamar Jackson stuff to break down. That was just, this saga continues. It's becoming like Aaron Rodgers-esque. Mm-hmm. We have that. Um, but with, with Kyle It's actually Lowry, funny how similar and how different right? it is. But yeah. There's yeah. like the weird feeling Let of, me tell you, where if are we I, going with this? If I found out, I'm not saying he did it. But if somebody told me Lamar Jackson locked himself in a cave for three days, I would not believe it. He 
no, he was uh, he was next in line of that booking because as soon as Aaron Rodgers did that cave retreat, I heard it was like fully booked for like two years Amazing. after. Lamar was like eh, waiting in line. He's like, so I'm here, next. So how long until we find out that Aaron Rodgers has a 100% stake in Cave Darkness? Oh, he's certainly Adventures. like yeah. yeah, he bought the you know the booking platform or yeah, something. For he sure. owns that. Uh, but yeah, Lowry back in town today. So the Raptors are, we've been talking about this, like in the middle of a must-win home stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, they are three games back in Miami for seventh in the East, tied with Atlanta for eighth. And home has been very, very kind to the Raptors. And tonight is a perfect example of when that really needs to work. Kyle Lowry coming into town, he's not the same Kyle Lowry that we saw with the Raptors, of course. I think he's coming off the bench. Um, he's not had the uh, most prolific of seasons, but nonetheless, we love him. He's a part of this history with this Raptors team, but it got us thinking more big picture about superstars or stars or legendary players mm-hmm. or even just players have donned any Toronto sports jersey, Jays, Raptors, Leafs, that maybe have moved on and you look back in retrospect, like, was that the right time? Was mm-hmm. that the wrong time? And I think if we start with Kyle Lowry and when the Raptors moved off to him, obviously it's you have to kind of... Um, remove the fact of like what he meant to this franchise, what he still will, mm-hmm. I think. A statue, whatever's going to happen with Kyle Lowry, retire the number, whatever. He brought a championship here. But when you look back, I think it's, for me, I can say that the Raptors moved off on the right time with Kyle Lowry. If you look at where he's at now and where, you know, the franchise was going, I I feel like we can, we can say that we got the best out of what Kyle Lowry can bring in the NBA. So I think the tough thing about these type of conversations is the uncertainty about what was available at the time. Exactly. There was the rumor... Never, to my knowledge, never fully confirmed by anybody mm-hmm. that Tyrese Maxey was in play for the 76ers at one point in time. Of course, we know Kyle's a Philly guy and all that. If that was available to them, <laughs> I do think it was a mistake. And mm-hmm. I want to be clear. That's revisionist history for, sure. for me. At the time, I was sitting there saying, Kyle Lowry means so much. And guess what? I still feel mm-hmm. all those things. And I do think it was worth hanging on. But... If Tyrese Maxey was actually in play there, that's a guy that would have changed things. Not, I mean, not to say that this team's a title contender with mm-hmm. him, but you definitely feel better about having another really strong piece of the core to go along with Barnes and Siakam. And, you know, maybe that changes how we feel about Fred Van Vliet this year and OG. And it just kind of really would have changed things. But the fact that that's never been 100% confirmed mm-hmm. kind of makes me feel like probably not true. And, yeah. You know, it's again, we'll, it's one of these we'll never know things because... Why would anyone in Philly ever confirm that, given the way Tyrese Maxey's looked? And from a Raptors perspective, you know, you don't really want to get in the business of negotiating in public or saying what was on the table. I mean, we know Masai is a pretty, pretty cagey guy in, in that regard. So, I mean, he'll tell you what he's thinking about other things. But in terms of basketball, he's going to keep that pretty, pretty close to the vest. So I think that's the thing about it is people are always going to look at that what if of Tyrese Maxey. But unless he was for sure on the table, then I, I'm with you. I think they mm-hmm. made the right call. There is something about handling the exit right there's something about giving a guy a chance I mean we've seen it this year with the Blackhawks with Patrick Kane and it was a little bit of an awkward dance of uh, okay you're just gonna give him away for nothing (laughs) yeah we're gonna do that because that's what he wants we Mm -hmm. don't want Patrick Kane to be sour at us for the rest of his life even though we all know that those fences would get mended in five years Mm -hmm. it does mean something but even more so for a franchise like the Raptors and it's not to say we have nothing there is a title we'll always have that They don't have guys like this yet. It's a young franchise. You don't want to. You've already had an awkward ending with the guy who before this was the most iconic Raptor in (laughs) franchise history. So I was of the belief at the time you just kind of let Kyle do what he Mm -hmm. wants. If he wanted to go, 
You should have let him go somewhere. He should have made, found a way to make it fit. Obviously, Miami is a place he wanted to be, so you did right by him in that regard. And I really think that for a franchise, if this is the Lakers and they got a thousand franchise legends and nobody's ever going to be Kobe and Magic yeah. and LeBron, okay, that's you know Anthony Davis or whatever. You know, five years from now, you can you can make him mm-hmm. upset heading out the door. But for a team like the Raptors that has not had these guys and has had such even Chris Bosh was a little weird. It wasn't yeah. nearly what it was with Vince but it was a little weird. I think it was so important for them to stick the landing with Lowry, and I think they did. I think it also just bodes well for how other players maybe view a franchise. And, totally. you know, those are not moral victories in a sense, but you want to be having a, at least a good outlook if you're a free agent, if you're someone that's going to stay long-term or re-sign with the franchise, if yep. you know you treat your players well and you you want to facilitate a, a nice exit. I, I know it's a, it's a small factor, but if you're looking between two teams and, you know, everything else is equal, but you know that players enjoy playing for this franchise and they take care of their players, that's a little factor that maybe means something to a player that might... I mean, the Raptors have struggled to sign free agents of, of big name. I mean, they've got a... They've got a little bit of a difficult thing to go up against being the only team in Canada, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I think that the way that Kyle Lowry's time here was with the Raptors and when we look back at, and especially now when we look at how he's, how he's producing with Miami, you know, he's had some injuries, so he hasn't, you know, he hasn't played fully this season um, to his highest level. But, you know, I just, I feel really good about the time that the Raptors took to move off of him. And then you start thinking about what, you know, were we in the same boat with Fred Van Vliet mm-hmm. at this trade trade deadline? Because it was this kind of similar with the whole goodbye, Kyle Lowry. He's on his way out. Yeah. And then the next day of practice, he's like, I'm still here, guys. Yeah, still here. That <laughs> kind was... of felt very Fred Van Vliet-esque yeah. this time around. That was really awkward. The thing, I, I actually feel completely differently about the Fred Van Vliet mm. situation. I think they should have moved off him. Now, again, this is all in the hindsight of what exactly was on the table. Mm. But I think it matters much less with Fred because I, I'm just going to say it. I really, really like the player. He, I've said it all the time. Yeah, we think of Kyle Lowry hugging the trophy, and we think of, of Kawhi with the shot. Mm. I think of Fred Van Vliet with the chip tooth talking on the phone after a game or bleeding out of his eye, lying on Dad the floor strength. in Oracle. Love, love, yes. love Fred Van Vliet and everything he meant to this team. Given what this team has showed you and this core has showed you, it does not make sense to lock him up to the type of deal mm-hmm. you're going to have to to have him come back next year. And that is just poor asset management. Now, look. If you value Scotty Barnes playing in a play-in tournament, playing games that matter, that's a fair conversation to have. But I just think it was time to move off of Van Vliet. And also... Especially what happens this offseason, well, Especially too, given right? what's going to happen. And then the other part of it as well is that it's a little bit of the Kyle Lowry thing of, could you not have put this guy in a good position? Mm-hmm. Could, could he not have been a Laker? Could he not have gone somewhere where he could have done something? We know he just changed agencies to clutch. It wouldn't have been that hard to <laughs> find a roadmap to L.A. Somebody would have signed him for sure. Some but he would over there. Yeah, so I just I, I think that that's I, as much as I see the similarities between the two, I think it was a massive mistake not mm-hmm. to move off of Van Vliet. And I want to be so clear because I know he gets upset about these things and he has a right to. And that's what we love about him mm-hmm. is he has this chip on his shoulder. It's funny. That's it's that's why we like Kyle Lowry. Yeah. That's why we like Fred Van Vliet. There's so many similarities. But and again, I, I just want to be clear. We all love Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. He means so much to the franchise. He ain't Kyle Lowry, and you didn't need to stick the landing perfectly like you did with him. I mean, this is the big question with what happens next with the Toronto Raptors. You decided to, to play in. You, sh- you decide to add at the trade deadline, and you still have a lot of unanswered questions in this offseason. I think that would be, you know, maybe 1A is what happens with Fred Van Vliet and, and what's pending with him. I think we could look back at this conversation and say, you were certainly right that they moved off on him at the wrong time yep. or too late in his career career um 
and then I, we did this exercise here when we thought about Kyle Lowry and we thought about people that played in Toronto and um, that maybe their franchise either moved off of too quickly or too late. Now, I, I think I had too, too many of the too quick yeah. column, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think it's easier to. Because oh, it's so easy. It's so easy. Like, that guy flourished after oh, yeah. he left the Raptors or the Jays or the Leafs. And we went through and we found a couple people. And this will be a good text line um, conversation as well. If there's a, a player that, you know, you saw in the blue and white and they finished their career with the Maple Leafs a little too late on the downswing. The Leafs didn't get what they wanted from it or the other way around too early, and they saw them flourish. You can text that in at 595.90, any Toronto sports team. But uh, I mean, maybe you want to go first where you thought, thought of if it was too quick or too uh, too late. Yeah, I mean, the most the most famous ones I feel like are kind of Blue Jays related mm-hmm. from that early 2000s-ish, late 90s era. Chris Carpenter, obviously. Oh, that was that, my first that, one, was that too. I brain? thought like the, I went like um, uncovered That was something. immediately, um, <laughs> as soon as we did this, question that was immediately where my mind went um the other guy um and hey he can feel free to redeem himself this year if he wants yeah we'll go current jay Mm -hmm. current he's on the team or 40 man or whatever yeah baseball rosters we'll figure it out as the year goes on nate pearson yeah okay this was he's got a big year ahead crown jewel of the (laughs) blue jays farm system he was a top 10 prospect in all of baseball and i understand why Homegrown pitching, stud pitching is so hard to find. You see how important it is, what you got with Manoa right now. But, man, if they would have moved off Nate Pearson at the peak of his mm-hmm. value, this Travis Snyder, another one of these quad A guys, guys who were amazing in AAA. Now, Pearson was a little different in that it's his stuff that plays, and you you have seen it in spurts at the big league level. But that's the guy that right now in Toronto, that's the one. You missed your mark. And look, he could still be a fine player for this team, mm-hmm. but you know what you could have got for him if you would have traded him at the peak of his power or his value anyways? Not a fine player, a difference maker. I wonder how we'll feel about Gabriel Moreno when we have this mm-hmm. discussion as well, because he was in the same boat about what, who do we have, right? Yep. He's this was like top Blue Jays prospect. We saw some flashes of him, really excited about him, and then we move off of him in the offseason. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing of like, how is this going to age? But Chris Carpenter was the first one for me too. Because <laughs> he, like, he never figured it out with the Jays. No. He ends up going to St. Louis. He wins a Cy Young. Mm-hmm. And he just... And, but maybe there's something to be said about, you go to a different atmosphere. I think, you know, he had to... He had to go through injury and yep. to kind of like revamp who he was. But when you see a player that the the Blue Jays, did they not draft him in the first yep. round? They really invest in this guy. He goes somewhere else after some time with the Blue Jays, becomes a two-time all-star, wins his Cy Young as a 30-year-old. You're like, yeah, that would have been nice. And I, I don't know the full circumstances. I wasn't even alive when they drafted him, right? <laughs> like, I don't know if it was it was time to move on from him at the moment and just didn't work out with the contract or his classic, time here. It was just classic case of a young guy just kind of sputtering, sputtering. And then he it, finds well, a new change a, of scenery. Basically, basically Nate Pearson, yeah. except he got traded and it worked out. All right, so Chris Carpenter, the easy the first one, uh, a team or a guy that the Blue Jays moved off of too quick. Um, I wonder where you put Kadri in this one. So the Kadri thing is the the sliding doors conversation I like to have mm. about Nazem Kadri is how we would feel about the Leafs trading him if they traded him for TJ Brody like Kyle Dubas allegedly right. tried to. Now, the flip side of this is how would we feel about TJ Brody if instead of this amazing free agent find, he was the guy that got traded relatively straight up for Nazem Kadri. Mm. We don't have to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. We just get to live in the world we live in now where TJ Brody is the only guy ever signed on the first day of unrestricted free agency who's been a bargain somehow. Mm. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing the way that that's worked out. Out. The Kadri trade, I think it is so easy to sit here and say in hindsight, 
Yeah. Oh, how could they do it? Look at this 90-point guy. He won a cup with the Avs. Tyson Berry sucks. Okay? Like, it's really yeah. easy to say that. And guess what? That's right. Okay? He got suspended the next year, too. Mm-hmm. And I firmly, in my heart of hearts, there's no way to prove this. And the fact that he got suspended kind of for the Avs kind of goes against this argument. He needed to leave Toronto, okay? There are certain guys who now, you know, Kadri's a little complicated with this. His dad's a Canadiens fan, so this mm-hmm. isn't being a Leaf. But this is basically being a Yankee or being a Cowboy. You're on the team that matters the most. And I, when I say some guys can't handle the pressure, it is not Kadri shrinking. It's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. It means too much to him. It was too important. <laughs> and I just, yeah. Would he have, would he, is there a world where you hang on to him and they win around and it's the three headed monsters? Almost certainly. But there's also a really real world where he just is never able to get it dialed in. He wasn't becoming a 90 point guy here either. That's the other part of it. We talk about him like he's his 90 point center. Guess what? He was not going to be playing third line minutes that. Mm -hmm. So Kadri is one where, yeah, in hindsight, really easy to say, especially given what they got for him. But if Kyle Dubas made the trade he wanted and traded him for TJ Brody, would we have said that? Yeah, so Tyson Berry, Kerfoot, and a six-round pick for Kadri. Kelly Rosen, remember him, and a third-round pick. <laughs> oh, well, it's funny. They're, so, you know me, I'm always bogged down with leaf brain on yeah. this stuff. And there are so many of these guys who it's like, the Leafs moved off too soon. It's, yeah, not really. They just needed 10 years to become who they were. Anton Strallman's like the poster boy for mm. this. It's like, he goes and he's looking great on Tampa's blue line. You're saying, how could they let, because we all saw it, okay? We all saw what it what it looked like here you know carl gunnerson he was on the blues cup team you you see it there there's some throwbacks i'm sure eh? we will be having this conversation five years from now about rasmus sandin oh yeah you saw when he started with the uh capitals but two weeks ago he had like five points in seven games everyone's like what are we doing with rasmus sandin i do believe that there's you know this is so hard to evaluate because a change of scenery it's not something that's easily, you know, what, how much of that is going to a new team, a new role? How much is it is How much of it is feeding Ovi on the power play? Yeah, yeah. That, that would do something. <laughs> uh, but Kadri, I feel like, is a tough one because it's so easy to rationalize it, right? Because, you know, his time with the Leafs, and what, you know, the, the playoff suspensions, whatever, mm-hmm. you, can, you can say what you want. But the way he blossomed with the avalanche, you're right. It wasn't the right scenario here for that to happen. He got to be the 2C. Yeah, <laughs> you can't replicate that for where he was with the Maple Leafs. So I feel like that one's maybe in the middle of the Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I had Tuka Rask. Yeah, obviously. And so this is a Traded the wrong goalie. Of course. Uh, Justin Pogge. Oh. You know he's still playing? because I, I did not. I went last I'm night. I'm so happy to, you have this. Because I went last night when I was making this list of like, okay, people that the, you know, whatever Toronto team... He is still playing hockey right now um, in the DEL. Uh, oh, the, German league. With the Grizzlies Wolfsburg. Love that. Um, well, hold, okay. You know hold this on. team. I know Wolfsburg is a town, but I feel like you can't be the Grizzlies from Wolfsburg. G-R-I-Z-Z-L-Y-S. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, yeah. pick an animal. Grizzlies. Are going to be a wolf or a grizzly? Yeah, Which the one Grizzlies. Uh, and he's got a 906 save percentage. Mm. Bring him over. Justin Pogge, uh, 274 goals against average. You know, he's a 9-7-0. and He's not doing terribly, but he's still playing. That's amazing. But Good it was for a him. throwback when I looked at that. Of course, Leafs draft Tuka Rask uh, first round, and they trade the wrong goalie, you know, Rask for Raycroft. Uh, Pogge's still playing, made me laugh. But that's that's one I think that, of course, in retrospect, you know, as a Vesna, you know, Stanley Cup champ, you move off of too quickly, but at the same time, 
you he hadn't given you hadn't given him real opportunity, right? Yeah. So that one that one's a little different. Making the move for Raycroft as well, it's easy mm-hmm. to say. Okay, Raycroft was fine. I mean, he set a Leafs win record yep. for I mean, like he had a fine stint here. But when you move off a guy like that, you want it to be for a difference maker, a guy who goes on to become that. And the kind of current version of that conversation is Sean Dursey with the Kings. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember when he got booed mercilessly uh, when he when he came yeah. back this year. But he's going to have a really nice, solid career. I don't know that he's going to be the stud. Some people think he's Mm going to be, but he feels like he's going to be one of these top four defensemen, pretty good offensively, can run your power play. And every few years, people are going to go, oh, the Leafs traded that guy away. But we got to forget, or we can't forget what Jake Muzzin was. And it wasn't a 10-year run that he had with the team, but he was a really important bridge player for the group that you had. So I think that that, those type of moves are easy to say kind of in hindsight. The Raycroft one is different because he was an okay starting goalie. There was some upside there. You could see what they were doing, but also when it's position for position and it's Boston and it's the guy who uh, crushed all your dreams for so long. That's the other part of it. Boy, does, does it, it not? It. <laughs> uh, can you, do you have any that I didn't mention? I'll uh, just quickly from the text line here. Uh, Larry Murphy, he is the Hall of Famer version right. of this. That is the, he went on to have a Hall of Fame He career. sure did. Yeah, he did. So <laughs> careful what you wish for there. Um, what about maybe moving on too late? I have Nick Robertson. Mm, I love this. Yes, because. I saw he was skating the other day and I. He's the Nate Pierce on the Maple Leafs. He really is. Because there's so much untapped potential and so many question marks and so much injury. Yeah. And it's so hard to evaluate. Did you move on from a guy too late, too early? What's his trade value, too, with a guy that's unproven, it feels right? shot now. It sure does. But there was a point where I think it was even the beginning of the season oh, where, yeah. where we're like, this is it. Like, this is the Nick Robertson revenge tour that mm-hmm. never happened. Nope. Um, and now. I don't really know if he's played the last game in his Leafs jersey. I don't really know what, you know, he's obviously dealt with more like injury issues, which is hard to evaluate. But he could be in the Nate Pearson-esque conversation of Maple Leafs players that have a question mark around them. And do we look back at the end of this season with the Maple Leafs and what happens with Nick Robertson in the offseason? Same with Nate Pearson and think, ah, you missed your opportunity to move off of a guy. So I I actually go the other way a little bit with Robertson Mm. because I think there's... Uh, now, I don't think this will happen because there's no impetus for the Leafs to move off of him if he doesn't have right. good trade value. But I think he is a perfect candidate for a guy who just got swallowed up by playing for a good team. Mm. If he is a Yote or oh a Pred, they would kill for a forward <laughs> like him. He, he just gets to be in the top six. Yeah. And every third game, John Hines, their coach there is saying, oh, we need him to be so much better defensively. And then he's back in the top six and he's on the Less power pressure. play. Less pressure and an actual role. Every time Nick Robertson got in the Leafs lineup, they put him in the top six and then he would look okay. He'd have a couple moments where he'd shoot it hard. Mm-hmm. Not in the net, but he would shoot it very, very hard. <laughs> and then they'd go, okay, well, that's great, but we're not developing now. We're winning now. And he is just, it is so hard to develop and win at the same time. Rasmus Sandin is a different animal in this because he actually got in the lineup, but there's no world where the Leafs would have moved on from Rasmus Sandin if they weren't in such severe win now mode. That is still a guy who, however you feel about him, there is still a case where he grows Mm. and blossoms into a top four guy, but they're not ready to develop now. It's time to win. So they had to move off of him. And Robertson just feels like a guy who, quite honestly, is never going to get that shot because there's nothing left for him to do with the Marlies. He's done it. He's done it all. It's not like he's the Gretzky down there, but it's like he has proven he can handle that level of hockey. It's just how do you make the leap? And yeah, I don't think they'll move off of him because why would they? What is there to gain from it outside of a contract slot or something like that? Mm -hmm. But yeah, he could very well end up being a guy who uh, got moved on too late. I like that a lot. And I also think with the addition of Matthew Nyes, who's going to come in the next couple weeks, 
that that is exciting. Oh, you go, you go exciting. I go. This, this is scary. Yeah, we well, hundred percent. I mean, that's that's where I don't want to tiptoe into. Is it a Nick Robertson s thing? But this is a guy that we are so excited for in Toronto mm-hmm. with a lot to prove. You know, Nick Robertson was in the similar wavelength. Obviously, not Matthew Nyes, but. With Matthew Nyes now being a potential addition to the Maple Leafs, I just wonder where additionally you could fit a Nick Robertson in your development program. And that's why if there was an opportunity to trade him last season Mm -hmm. or move off of him, was that the right time? You know, obviously with the injury issues, hard to evaluate again. But uh, something to consider when we look forward to like players that wore a jersey in Toronto that either were moved off of too early or too late. There's a lot of good ones. And you can text that in at 590-590 because I feel like we're going to uncover some that we, th- yeah. we forgot about. For sure. The difference with Nyes, too, and Robertson is this goes back to just the, the type of players they are, is that Matthew Nyes, if he doesn't come in and light it up, mm. he can cruise around and he can hit people. That's not his game. I mean, he's a power forward, but he's a skilled player. That's right. what he wants to do. But if he's not going to be that, he would not be the first player who was a skilled player in junior or college mm. and then found a way being more of a two-way guy or a mucker and a grinder, somebody who bangs. That's never going to be Nick Robertson. He has to shoot it in the net. That is the one thing he's not to say he's not able to do anything else, but just because of his size and everything else, that's what he is capable of. That's what you need him to be. Uh, so with Nyes, there's at least the world where you can work him in on the third line. If Robertson's not going to be in your top six, there's not really a point of having him. That's true. Um, one last one that I pondered was Tracy mm. McGrady. So he's traded a 2000 for a first round pick. I, and this was confusing to me because I don't remember if he was like publicly being asked to get traded. And then that's where this comes down to is if a guy is wanting out and you're going to mm-hmm. honor that. But I thought more about look at the career he went to end up having with the magic. Of course, if he stayed, I also thought big picture, what happens to Vince Carter, right? Yep. Does oh, that totally. change the entire front? Yes, it does. Does it change the entire outlook of the Toronto Raptors? Yes, it does. So I wonder sometimes about that one. They're also cousins. So there's so much tied into Tracy McGrady and the Toronto Raptors. I don't know if you can put that in, moved off of a guy too quick, especially if there's conversation about I wanted out or well, publicly asking to get out. I don't remember about yeah. my no, life T-Mac, in 2000. T-Mac was unhappy. Uh, he <laughs> was. A, it was the era of, I mean, Chris Bosch did this basically five, six years or almost a decade mm-hmm. later where he's said i can't get espn antonio davis complained about his kids learning the metric system like it, it it was that era where we treated canada or they treated canada like international waters like it wasn't mm-hmm. the country north of them you would have thought they were being sent to antarctica to play sports mm. so it was just an era where guys were saying get me out of here i don't know anything about canada's cold <laughs> all the time i don't want anything to do with it so could you have got more for t-mac i mean you would hope but yeah. look what they got for vince and there's right. a guy who refused to play and a bunch of nobody so uh i really like this one on the text line brad from Barry, we've talked about too late. We talked about mm-hmm. too early. The perfect time trade in Toronto sports history: Demar Derozan for Kawhi Leonard. That is actually the most perfect. But, and sweet that one spot. hurts too, right? Oh, man. But you understand it. Like you can, you can take that. That's a tough decision to get rid of a guy that was so beloved here. But you did it at the right time, and you had to swallow your pride a bit. I remember uh, this is uh, it's funny, you know, people always say when you get into this business, like, oh, the fan will be beaten out of you. I'm still waiting for that to happen. <laughs> I remember buying a DeMar DeRozan jersey like three weeks before that happened, oh. thinking to myself, he's never going to go anywhere. This is the perfect guy because he's good, but not good enough for somebody to be like, we got to get that guy. And then they and then they trade him for Kawhi. So guess what? Hey, you it's, got a legendary jersey. Uh, oh, it's great. It's great. <laughs> uh, and but that is the most perfectly timed trade That's in arguably one. the history of Toronto. Sport. I it's love really, that. Really good. Yeah.
Yeah, send those in too. Five nine five nine. I love reading the text line. So do you. I love that you also are a text line guy. I'm a big text line this guy. This is my community every morning. I love them. <laughs> uh, we're actually going to talk to Jose Bautista later today, and we'll have that for the show tomorrow. But I thought about that one too. I also, but then I thought he's more of a legacy player, mm-hmm. right? Like you at that point, you know, you could have traded him maybe in his prime with the Blue Jays. Yep. He the last couple of years, same with Edwin. Like you kind of walked them to the free agency mm-hmm. part of their career. Um, they weren't competitive at that point. You didn't get as much as you could have with Jose Bautista. But then you think about what that meant to this franchise. I feel like those ones are harder to evaluate. Same with you know a, a player that maybe the Maple Leafs kept is like this is a guy that means so much to our team to our community. So Jose Bautista is a tough one for me to put in as well. Yeah, could ask him about. It. Hey, do you think you were traded at the right time, Jose, <laughs> or do you think your career, I mean, ended in the right time in Toronto? Hey, we're gonna talked about being on the uh, level of excellence. So I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be happy about that. And it, well, again, he's he is not Kyle Lowry in terms of what he means to the franchise. The Blue Jays won World Series and That's it right. wasn't his team. But for an era of Jays fans, and I always think this is important to take into account because I remember having a lot of conversations about Matt Sundin. People say, Look, he's Matt Sundin. See, I thought about this one too. He's a he's a great player, but mm-hmm. you have to stop talking, and that's where I completely kibosh it. Wrong. It's wrong. I don't have mm-hmm. to stop talking about mm-hmm. it. For a whole generation, probably under half of people, Sundin is the greatest leaf they ever saw. And for a lot of Jays fans, a lot of them, Batista is the best, most impactful. They won a World Series. Joe mm-hmm. Carter's home run can never be topped. But that's the second most iconic yeah. moment in Blue Jays history. And they won another World Series, okay? I know Alomar hit some big ones. Nettie did too. The bat flip will live in infamy, not in Blue Jays history, but in major league mm-hmm. history. So I do think having a guy like that, it just complicates things. And you can't just look at it as a naked, well, what'd you get for production versus what you could have got? Some magic beans down the road. <laughs> who who knows there? So I, I understand people who will say, oh, look what happened. Look at the way it ended here. You should have moved off. But I think you wouldn't have wanted to be seen as jettisoning him. I, I completely agree. Those ones are tough because they mean like that intangible of what do you mean to this franchise into this team is always hard to evaluate um we will see kyle lowry tonight in the miami heat uh 7 30 p.m tip uh that's a sports of five nine fan as well and we'll talk to eric smith who's calling his 1000th game uh regular season game today we can go through all that i'd like to ask him about being around in the Kyle Lowry era and, mm-hmm. and how he remembers that as well. And I want to ask him about Surly Kyle. We all have like yes. fun, happy memories. And Give look, me we, all, we all love Kyle Lowry, but that's why we love him because <laughs> yeah. he was a little surly sometimes. Uh, that's good stuff. So uh, Maple Leafs back in action tomorrow. They play the Florida Panthers. Um, this also got us thinking in this was the conversation this past weekend with the back-to-back. We saw Joseph Wall in, uh, in Ned and he played really, really well. And Samsonov has been away with uh, family, baby, et cetera. So with the Panthers' losses sends last night, the Leafs have officially, officially clinched a playoff spot. Surprise! <laughs> wonder who they're going to play. <laughs> so much scoreboard watching. I wonder who they're going to play in the first round. Could you imagine if baseball or hockey was like baseball and you just saw a video of like Morgan Riley just spraying Joe Wall <laughs> with champagne on <laughs> their off day it. yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> they're like at their home watching, you know, having like a salad yeah. and they're like, oh, we should have a kombucha yeah. if you're yeah. John, John Tavares. Tavares. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so then once again, we're doing we're doing like big picture conversations this morning. Obviously, coming off no Toronto sports, good to do like a reflection period, especially when you got Gunner, go. new voice, new thoughts in the show. Um, Joseph Wall, so he has had obviously an incredible season with the AHL. We got to see him now this fourth time um, with a start in the NHL this season. 
Uh, Haley and I bounced it around yesterday. She was kind of on the, the camp of at least seeing people online that are saying, can Joe Wall factor into this playoff run ahead with Matt Murray and Samsonov as a tandem? I don't know if she was pushing for that necessarily, but she brought that and I said, no way, Haley. He's not going to have any factor in their playoff run unless something drastic happens. But if we look at next season, mm-hmm. I really think that Joseph Wall has played himself into a backup role with this team. I'm going to stick with this season. You're right that he should not factor mm-hmm. in unless somebody's hurt. Right. That's the only way it's happening. But I need somebody to hold me back from wanting to make him the backup. And what a nice problem to have. He looks so comfortable. He looks so big. He looks athletic. It's the mixture of Samsonov and Murray, kind mm-hmm. of. It's really nice to see. Make, make big, sexy, flashy glove saves. There's just a lot to like about him there. Uh, you're, there is no world. If there were 30 games left in the season, I, I think honestly think what he is showing is enough that they would have to mm-hmm. give him a look and see if he should factor in. There's nine games left. You could play them all nine times, which is not going to happen. <laughs> and you still wouldn't really have a feel one way or another or enough of a sample size to feel good about it. So you're right. This year, not going to happen mm-hmm. unless Murray gets injured, which is not. Has that happened before? Oh, only all the time. <laughs> uh, we we keep, uh, we, I had all these conversations, Kipper and Bourne and mm-hmm. everything, and the idea of, the idea of, well, Matt Murray and Samsonov, we are just talking about Matt Murray making it through three weeks of hockey here like it's a, a surety and I'll almost sure mm-hmm. sure thing the other way, that there's going to be a boo-boo between now and then. But for next year, it's not just the way he's looked. It's the money. 750. Yeah. This isn't even like a 900K. Seven, you're making Jason Spets some money <laughs> next year and the year after that. And, you know, Murray, he's under contract for next year. That's going to complicate things. Samsonov's an RFA. But if you just pick one of those two to go with, now, I think if it's at all possible, you'd want to pick Murray because you're going to have to give an asset to get off of that contract right. in all likelihood. But if you're paying your two goalies, just over five million bucks with what Murray makes and what Joe Wall would be making at seven fifty k. It's a great tandem for a team. It's a good tandem mm-hmm. you feel comfortable about. And the other part of this is you don't want to get carried away, but there's a world where he develops into a starter. He looks really confident, and he doesn't have the pedigree of first round pick. But he didn't come out of nowhere. He's a third rounder, mm-hmm. and this was when the Leafs stunk, so it was a and high third rounder. Him. And you developed him. So and that I, never happens. It never. Yeah, look, <laughs> like, they tried. They developed Justin Pogge all the way to him. the Grizzlies and Wolfsburg. <laughs> it's in the Grizzly Bears. Uh, no, I agree. I, I'm I'm really excited for Joe Wall, and to and obviously we're not watching every single Marley's game, but he is at least added to that level of what's going on with that the baby yeah. Leafs. Right, I really want to see what's happening with them. He's been a a, a sure fit of that, you know, an all star, obviously, at that point. But we also started looking at okay, let's say the Maple Leafs either buy out Murray or Samsonov is is too expensive. He's looking for a raise this summer Mm. as an RFA. What other goaltenders are available this offseason? So I went through and there's there's a lot of UFA goaltenders, and I'm not thinking like okay, contract wise, what are you going to offer them? Just like fit wise, like Jonas Corposalo Mm -hmm. is a UFA, Tristan Jari who just got injured, but whatever. He's turning 28 years. <laughs> what do the Leafs mo- need more than a former Penguins Cup yeah. winner who just got hurt? Weird, creepy uh, parallels there. Mackenzie Blackwood. So mm-hmm. those are some like younger goalies yep. that are at least UFAs. Um, and then older goalies, because you never know, they might be cheaper. Craig Anderson, no. Uh, well, <laughs> Freddie Anderson is one of them. Ooh, no, mm, never heard of him. Uh, Jonathan Quick, we talked okay. about that earlier. Semyon no, Var- uh, Varlamov, who isn't playing as much with Sorokin mm. right now. So, I mean, there's just, there's some names. I'm not, like, fired up about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cam Talbot. And uh, those are just some names of UFA goaltenders. So there's some options out there. I don't know how many of them, like, you're 
you know, chomping at the bit for. But let's say the Leafs have to move off of a Murray or a mm-hmm. Samsonov and they're looking for uh, a cheaper, older option. Maybe that's not an upgrade, but it's someone to fill the net. There's a few. And if you're going to be able to get like a Jonas Corposalo, like, you know, if you could afford someone like that, the Leafs do have some UFAs this season, a lot of money moving around, but then also think about the money that needs to be added to the book, right? So it's really hard to evaluate. Oh, yeah, he's a perfect fit. Sign him. But there are some options, we'll say. Yeah, I can't. Murray is eligible for a buyout. I just can't see it happening. Mm-hmm. It would save them half the cap hit, but that's still 2.6 on the books for next year and the year after that. And it would look really bad. Oh, boy, <laughs> would it. And the other thing, and, you know, I know we're not supposed to say these things out loud. Uh, it's supposed to just be understood. But did it? does it not always feel like part of the deal with Matt Murray is that he won't make this be a problem? Is that not how it's kind of always felt? Mm -hmm. The understanding of if you're not going to be able to hack it as the guy, maybe you're you're hurt the whole time you're under contract (laughs) next year. Maybe. Wink, wink. wink. (laughs) I just, that's the way I would see that playing Mm -hmm. out. I can't see a world where he is so bad that they have to buy him out and he does not play along for, really for, back of, for lack of a better term. It's the, the, we, we joke about the Sioux and the relationships and all that. That's kind of the point of having mm-hmm. that is understanding. And look, you know, guys don't do it just to do it. Patrick Marlowe would have helped this team out a lot by just retiring instead of chasing that Gordie Howe record that he had to get. And guess what the Leafs would have had? They'd have Seth Jarvis on their second mm-hmm. line, okay? So, you know, guys will do what's best for them, but Patrick Marlowe didn't have the, you know, borderline lifelong relationship that he's had, that Murray and Dubis and Keefe have all kind of had together. So, but he is now BFFs with half the Maple Leafs roster, I got, which I, is really I, sweet, but it, it doesn't is, make sense sometimes. It is, but it try. And again, I like they're professional athletes. Patrick Marlowe is going to do what's best for him. Austin Matthews and Mitch mm-hmm. Marner, they all have a relationship with them that goes beyond hockey and all that. Great. It's wonderful for and them. they're kiddos. Oh, yeah, it's great. Every time I see a picture of those guys with, with Marlowe or the clan, all I think of is Seth Jarvis. <laughs> and then I <laughs> also tough. think of Rodion Amarov, who went two picks after him, True. and it's like, oh, boy, how would we feel about that? But anyways, I could lament Leaf stuff all, all day long, but that every time I see the Marlowe's mm-hmm. around this Leafs team, I'm like, oh, yeah, you love them. Love them so much. You Patrick wouldn't Marlo just go Patrick Marlowe jersey away. that I bought. Oh, okay. How'd that go? It was the St. Pat's one. And oh, I was like, yeah. I went to the store and there was like three options and that was one. I'm like, that's kind of fun. Like, it's Patrick Marlowe. Four months later, it's no, no longer Leaf. I no. thought, well, I mean, it's kind of like a one-off, like nobody go. else owns oh, this jersey. Oh, it's very cool, yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. I haven't worn that in a while. There you go. Um, all right, so, yeah, Leafs in, back in action tomorrow against the Panthers. They've clinched a playoff spot, uh, seventh consecutive year. We know what's happened all seven of those years. Um, but maybe this is different because is Matthews peaking at the right time? Mm. want to get your thoughts on that. I know you you were in uh, Kipper and Bourne this week. I'm sure you talked, or this past week, weekend, um, I'm sure you talked about this a lot. Even if I'm not on the air, I'm just wandering the streets, giving like, hey, these thoughts buddy, to my strangers. what do you think? You're in like the drive through line, you're talking through the like, uh, What the would speaker? you like, sir? I'm like, I would like a Leafs playoff <laughs> series. Win. That's what I would like. Hey, what do you think about Matthews? <laughs> uh, so, so, so just large black coffee, sir? Is that all you want? I'm like, I need to get these takes out here. <laughs> You got to dump them. But uh, I mean, that this was the conversation Friday and then Monday with me and Haley as well. It's just like the way that Austin Matthews has looked the last couple of games. I mean, he got 15 shots in one game. I don't think I got 15 shots my entire professional career. <laughs> so let me just say that now. But he looks like he's, you know, peaking at the right time. And I think if you look at how the season has gone and finding out about his injury and think, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. 
Maybe the fact of you can turn it off and then turn it on makes me feel a little bit better if that's the case that he's gone here and waited till what, a couple games left into the season to really ramp it up. Yeah, this is perfect. Perfect timing for him to look exactly this way. If I had to quibble, I'd like to, I would have liked him to wait like two more games mm. if I'm going to be perfect about yeah. this. He's not the only guy. Uh, Do it next week. <laughs> it's the exact opposite end of the spectrum, but William Nylander is having his annual swoon. Yes. It is perfect. Sheldon's going to be yelling at him. He's going to be up his butt, and it's going to just be for the next two weeks of this, and he's going to turn it on when the playoffs come around, because Willie's always good in the playoffs. Yep. We we don't necessarily give him credit for that. Even when he was playing with Alex Kerfoot as the center, he was still good in the playoffs uh, in that series against Montreal. So, uh, yeah, I uh, think it's actually perfect. Perfect that Austin's mm-hmm. ramping up right at this time. And, you know, it's it's such a funny thing of, oh, he's not trying. It's not that he wasn't trying this year. It's just there's a difference of chasing 60 and a yeah. heart and a rocket and all that stuff and then doing it again. And it is so hard to climb the mountain. That's what's made the Lightning so special that they've been able to do it year in and year out. And obviously that's team success versus individual. But uh, this is this is everything Leafs fans need to see right now. Would, and everything everyone in the Atlantic doesn't need to that's see. That's true. Um, I would rather, not, you know, you've got the personal accolades. Check mark that. Let's worry about some team success. I never think that he put that above team no. success. But, you know. He did that Scott, last year. It's it's funny, and it's like, you know, some people overreact to it, but I do think it's true. If you look at his reaction when he scores, if it's a big goal, he'll give you something. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's like, cool, little dap, point That's to right. Mitch. But when, nice pass. <laughs> but when someone else scores. He's fired up. Loves it. He is fired Team up. Team guy. Like when Kerfoot scored. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't think it. I know Kerfoot was happy, but I think Matthews is almost as He's happy so to see happy, it. so happy, yeah. He's got the eight goals in his last 10 games, eight assists, 16 points, um, playing an average of 21 minutes a game, just really ramping up. Perfect timing for the playoffs. Um, one last one to go through before we do the A-list, and then we talk to Ty Dunn about this exact point, is we've got to get through some of this Lamar Jackson stuff to tee it up. Mm. Lamar Jackson goes to Twitter. Um, and explains to fans, he's like, I want to just show you, I want to be, I want to be honest. I want to thank you for the love and support, but it's time, it's time to answer your questions. He reveals that he did submit a formal trade request on March 2nd. It is currently March 28th. Um, apparently five days later, just no conversation here. Of course, we saw the Ravens put the non-exclusive franchise mm-hmm. tag on Jackson. And now he's able to negotiate with other teams. We saw the other day about this Ken Johnson dude that yep. was coming out of the woodwork, apparently fake negotiating from whatever. Lamar Jackson wants to, to explain that he did request out. He requested a trade. And now we're in this weird limbo waiting. I don't really know if this has like ever happened before. I mean, it's a little bit Aaron Rodgers esque, but mm-hmm. at this point it seems like it's going to be a lose lose situation for the Ravens. Um, even if they find a way to, you know, somebody, somebody offers him what he wants and the Ravens either have to sign it. You think Lamar Jackson wants to play for that team? Yeah. No. Um, and if not, they lose their franchise player and there's just all this bad blood. So I, it is just like, it just gets worse and worse with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. But coming out publicly, at least it takes a lot of the pressure off of uh, him. And now he can negotiate with another team and he can move on with his life. And I hope that's what happens. I think it's pretty it's pretty evident that he isn't getting the offers he wants in terms mm-hmm. of the, the non-exclusive tag there or else he wouldn't have gone public with this. I just, I look at... 
I look at the Ravens and I really don't understand how you let it get to this yeah. point. I understand Lamar's driving a hard bargain here. I'm not going to say you need to just capitulate and give him everything he wants. I totally understand that. You're not going to do the Deshaun Watson deal. Just because somebody else signed a bad contract doesn't mean you have to, too. But you also can't look at a guy like Lamar Jackson who's won an MVP and say, here, take this Kyler Murray deal and go away. <laughs> you can't do it. You, you can't. You need to find a middle ground there. And... I understand that he is driving a hard bargain. It's probably incredibly frustrating to negotiate with a guy who doesn't have an agent. Mm -hmm. I understand all of those things. There is no sport in the world where a position matters. We ought to talk about goaltending and hockey to our blue in the face. Guess what? Teams with Michael Layton has been in a cup final, okay? And yeah, there have been some so-so quarterbacks in in Super Bowls, but there is no position in sports that matters more. Mm -hmm. They're the straw that stirs the drink, and he is that for that team so much more than anyone else. I just don't for the life of me understand how they let it get to this point. I'm going to float the maybe the Jets scoop up Lamar Jackson. I like that. People in in Buffalo do not. Nope. We de- as a Bills fan, we yep. definitely don't like that. I uh, do want to play one clip we have here. Mm. Um, Ravens head coach speaking with reporters at the owners' meeting, like legitimately when great timing this happened. <laughs> it's almost like Lamar Jackson said, "Send uh, here you go, buddy." Um, optimistic that Lamar will still be a Raven come week one. I don't know how that's going to happen, but the optimism is there. I haven't seen the tweet. It's an ongoing process. Uh, I'm, I'm following it very closely just like everybody else is here, and uh, looking forward to a resolution. I'm excited, thinking about Lamar all the time, thinking about him as our quarterback. We're building our offense around that idea, and uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back to football, and I'm confident that's going to happen. Do you anticipate him being your quarterback in week one? Uh, I do. You know, you gotta, you got to plan for all the contingencies for sure, but uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty fired up about Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a great player. Lamar... Uh, came back in great shape last year he's fired up to play uh that's the lamar that i'm looking for looking forward to seeing can't wait to get back on the grass and go to work and i'm confident that's going to happen all right this guy's fired up and full of confidence i don't know how many other people are feeling that way but you know somebody's got to fake it so you make it uh, that's exactly that's what's it. happening there that is a uh, that is coach speak is yeah. what that is uh he's doing it for the gm but yeah. that is all that is yeah we're gonna we're going to go out there. This is That is a coach of a terrible team getting mm. ready to get slaughtered next week. And you say all the right things and you say all the good things, but it is completely out of your hands. And that's the case with Harbaugh. He doesn't have a say in this. No. You, you don't think he has walked into the owner's office and said, we can't give him a couple more bucks. Come on, yes, get this guy on. back on my team. Okay. He obviously is in Lamar's camp in mm-hmm. terms of wanting Lamar Jackson back. Look at the other quarterbacks that played for them. You had Hundley and like, it's just you having a quarterback and moving off of a quarterback in this league is insane. And there is no way he would want to be part of that. So I get it. Uh, preach positivity until something good happens. Oh, I guess boy, I never do that in my own life, but good for John Harbaugh <laughs> doing that. I try to uh, do that with the a list. There we go. And we're going to do that on the other side of the break. Uh, I got some three, uh, two golf things for you. I know you're a big golf oh, guy. Buddy. So I really dug into the golf stuff for go. the a list. <laughs> okay. That's next on the other side of the break. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now, it's time for hey, yo. the A-List. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. What's baby? All right, we're in full swing of golf season almost, just approaching. It's the most important time of the year. Masters on the cusp. Mm. Um, we'll start with this one. Gary Player. Hot. I saw that you commented in, this, <laughs> in the sheet when I put this in the three-time champion of the Masters. Um, he was the the oldest golfer to ever win the Masters as well. So he knows what it's like 
to be the champ. Um, he was speaking yesterday about the Masters in terms of the greatest tournaments in the planet. Yes. This guy believes that golf's three other major championships, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, and the PGA Championship, are all more prestigious than winning the green jacket at the Masters. All three of them rank higher than winning the Masters. I had to read this multiple times to make sure Mm -hmm. I was like awake and coherent because (laughs) I could not disagree more with this statement. Yes, because you're right. It's shocking. And I've never won the Masters, but I care about it so much that I just am shook to my core. You are allowed to, if you want to be a golf hipster and say, oh, no, the Open is actually a better. You're you're allowed to do that. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's okay. But you're allowed to to do that. You cannot make the case for the other two. It is impossible. The U.S. Open's awesome, but it's not the Masters, okay? And the PGA Championship, uh, okay. All my golf friends, stop listening. It's barely a major. Yeah, it's, okay. It's just it has fine. nothing about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I will give it's a the quick, name of it. <laughs> I will give a quick little backstory on this. Mm-hmm. Uh there uh, Gary Player's son uh at the Masters two years ago did some like uh guerrilla marketing. He was like holding up golf balls, he was hawking no. behind Gary Player, and he is now banned from the grounds at Augusta. Maybe this so is where I this think comes that in. might be where this well, comes don't from go guerrilla marketing yes. at the Masters. It's not a good look. It's prestigious. But it's like Gary Player literally kicks off the Masters every year. He hits the ceremonial tee shot. I, they, they should take it allow, away. Yeah, they, they should take it away. this year. Put someone else up there. percent. Yeah, I was shocked That's to read Florida. this. Happy you brought that to the He table. said uh, it because it's the youngest of the majors. So? It's, I, I, I don't care. It's just, it's an astronomically bad take. <laughs> and look, man, I, I respect having a zag. I do. Mm-hmm. It's too far. Need to bring it back in. It, that's what you just uh, galaxy brained too much. Okay, one more much. quick one yeah. before we take a break. Uh, Mike Trout and Tiger Woods, two iconic athletes of the entire universe. <laughs> one of them's even won something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, yikes. Um, announced that they're opening a new golf course. Love There's it. this epic hype video. Uh, Mike Trout is going to, to be like the, the head of this one in terms of the naming of it. It's going to be called the Trout National, Love the it. reserve. Mm. And uh, it's going to be in 2025. He's going to be partnered with Tiger Woods to create this golf course. Um, a short drive from his hometown in New Jersey. It'll be open in 2025. It's being designed by T- Tiger's golf course design company, TGR Design. So. There we go. Lots to come on that one, but that sounds like it's going to be absolutely incredible. That's exactly what you should do with your time if you're Mike Trout. And yes. I have my jokes about him not <laughs> succeeding in the game of baseball. Uh, well, personally, he succeeds. His teams just never do. But if you are a rich person with some name recognition, that's do exactly this. what I would be doing. Do you know what I would give to have Guns Links, in, in, Guns Links. out in Burlington somewhere Hell designed yeah. by Tiger? That's all you need. The, the whole point of being famous and rich and all mm-hmm. that stuff is to use it to get to meet people who are on even another stratosphere of you. So well done, Mike Trout. Mine would be four, F-O-R-E. Oh, that's pretty good. Far. That's really good. Four, far, national. That's really good. I like that. And you can only be bad. There we go. And yell four. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so apparently it's going to include a flexible short course, an expansive putting course, Love along it. with a world-class practice facility and performance center. Other club highlights include a modern state-of-the-art clubhouse, Ooh. five-star lodging, Ooh. innovative amenities, and a wedding chapel. Well, there you go. So you can get married come 2025 at Mike Trout's new golf course. So 
Book it now. And if you do it in October, Mike Trout will be there because he won't be playing games that matter. Maybe he can officiate it for you. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right. We've got a great lineup of guests today. We've got our buddy Ty Dunn on the other side of the break. We'll get into some Lamar Jackson talk. And, of course, maybe how this affects Aaron Rodgers because that's still pending. We've got Todd Frazier is going to join us. He's a um, a new show, Foul Territory. Um, that's live Mondays, 11 a.m. on YouTube. It's really great. Um, Daniele, our producer, said it's the best show that no one knows about yet. Wow, there you go. So we'll talk about that one. And, of course, we've got Eric Smith at 8 a.m. calling his 1,000th regular season game tonight as voice of the Playboy Play on the fan. And, of course, our Wake and Rake, Sendra Pixon at 595.90. We'll get to all of that at 830. That's next on the Fan Morning Show.